Well, good evening. I've been thinking uh, quite a bit about that here lately. The trumpet shall sound, and time shall be no more. Uh, I've been, if you've been in, uh, if you started over, uh, or if it's your first time in D group, you've been reading through Genesis, and so I've just been thinking about that, uh, the whole original setting, pre-sin, and you know, what, what God intended to be and how, you know, we talked about this a lot with, uh, with David and some of the previous studies that we've gone through, how we will return to that uh, Edenic garden-like state that God has intended for us. And so every time I'm at a basketball game and there's a bad call, I say, man, I can't wait for the millennium. Or, you know, if I have a situation that happens and, you know, something crazy, I, man, I can't wait for the millennium. So looking forward to that. And so as we think about, as our hearts start thinking towards that, you know, and the uh, parameters of, of what all that means, it's exciting to think about. Uh, but for now, we're here, and so uh, the Bible says that we're the salt and the light of earth. And so we have been talking the last several weeks about decisions, and so our decisions will, uh, they will give rise to or testimony to all of the things that we know and believe and live about who Jesus is and uh, how that affects the way that we live. And so as we look at uh, tonight, as we continue on how to make good decisions, uh, we'll continue on to think about, uh, you know, the decisions that we make have big implications. And so there are opportunities for us to declare the belief system in which we live by. And so as we look tonight at uh, the principles of godly decision-making, uh, I hope that uh, you'll be able to gather some information, maybe, uh, maybe some things, most of it you probably know, but it'd be a good opportunity to put it all together. Um, and so as we look at that tonight, uh, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together as we get started. God, we bow before you tonight. God, we acknowledge the fact that, uh, Lord, you are in control of all things, and uh, Lord, you instruct us to do the things in which bring you the most glory. And God, in order for us to do that, God, it's imperative that we know you, that we understand about you and who you are and, and how you are and the things that you do, and Lord, the things that you'd have for us to do. And so I pray tonight as we look at the principles of godly decision-making, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things that would bring glory to your name and that would instruct our hearts to be good decision-makers. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as we look at uh, the principles of godly decision-making, as we begin, you know, each step that we take in the life that is, you know, of decision-making leads us either towards God or away from God. And so when you make a decision, and it just, I was thinking about this uh, right before we started, is anybody facing, you know, this big decision right now, today? Has anybody got this, you know, I need to make a decision and it's big? A few nods, not not many people willing to raise their hand, but we got some nods, and so you're not even sure if you have a decision to make. <laughs> uh, but we've all got decisions that we make every day, and sometimes they can be big decisions, right? And so we've got decisions that we're going through, and we want to make the right decision, and so every decision that we make, it, it leads us in a direction. And so, uh, you know, if you the last several weeks we've talked about this, but if you make decisions out of selfish motivation, well, you're leading yourself away from God because you're putting yourself on the throne of your life. Or if you make decisions that will honor God uh, or that are uh, sacrificial or that uh, are, are 
for someone else, well, then you're leading yourself or you're following Jesus towards himself. And so, uh, as believers, every decision that we make has implications. And so, uh, it's important that we make the right decisions. We would all certainly agree with that. And, and so, in seeking to make the right decisions to lead us towards God, what we, what we need to do is we need to use what we already know in order to help us understand what we don't yet know. So think about all the things that uh, you know as a believer. We'll assume tonight that everyone in the room is a believer. So let's, with that assumption, let's talk about what that means. Well, if you're, if you're here tonight, you're in a Baptist church, and so uh, I assume you believe Baptist theology. And so uh, we would start with the big rocks and say that uh, Jesus is the only way to heaven. So that's, we would all believe that. Uh, we would say that the only way, uh, you know, a life well lived is a life that brings honor and glory to God. Uh, and so, you know, from a theological perspective, we all have the same belief system. So it kind of, you know, there's things that you already know about God. So for instance, if we were to say, well, what is it that you know about God? At Michael Memorial, you instantly would respond with God is sovereign and God is good. And so we would start with the premise of those two things and we would build our decisions based upon those two things. So if there was a catastrophe in our life, we would say, well, what do I know about God and how does that help me uh, through this situation? And so we would start with the principle of who God is. Now, in doing so, you already know those things. You already know who God is. You already know about His character and His nature. And so you and I will respond in a particular way to every situation that we encounter in life simply because of the belief system that we adhere to. Does that make sense? And so you, what you already know then will help you to shape what you do not yet know. So, you know, for instance, if we're putting together a puzzle and we've got uh, the pieces of the puzzle. Let's say that we don't even have the box top, but we've got the pieces of the puzzle. And so as we make decisions, we're putting pieces of our life, or the puzzle, if you will, together. Now, we may not have all of the pieces of the puzzle, but at, at a certain point, there used to be a game show like this where you would have, you know, a couple of panels, you know, it'd have five or six panels. Anybody remember that show? And then as the panels would flip over, you'd have to guess what it was. And if, if you got, you know, if you saw part of a bird's tail and a beak or something, you may say, you know, Robin or whatever it is. Well, it's the same way with our life is you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to have every puzzle piece in order to understand the picture in which God is painting in your life. And so you can look and say, well, I might be missing the corners or I might be missing some middle pieces, but this looks like a bird to me. And so as our decision-making is shaped and we add other puzzle pieces to our life, we can use what God has already done in our life to build on the things that, that we don't yet know. And so the way that we do that is through obedience. See, obedience to God is the settled policy of all of our living, and it is always, 100% of the time, it is always the necessary first step towards finding and following God's will. So whatever the situation that we may encounter, uh, obedience is the key. And so we, we may actually say this two or three times throughout tonight, uh, but anytime you have a decision to make, I believe one of the first things that you should, the first thing you should do is you should do some self-reflection and begin to ask yourself the question, am I walking with the Lord? 
Am I spending time with God's Word? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I spending time with God's people? Because that answers, that is going to help you to answer your motivation or your motive. Why am I making this decision? You see, if you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, then you're going to make decisions that will lead you to godliness. But if you're not walking in fellowship with the Lord, then it's highly likely that you're going to make decisions that will not lead you towards godliness. And so the, the question that we answer as we begin to make uh, good decisions is, am I obeying the Lord? Am I already obeying what God has intended for me to do? And so what happens with this is it narrows our options. And so we begin to have less choices. And, and what that does is it makes it easier for the believer, for you and I, to make the right decision. Now, I said this Wednesday night, and all the men, for the sake of not being uh, in trouble with their wives, did not respond. But this is true. For instance, anytime, so I'll just speak from personal experience so I won't get you in trouble. Anytime it is, hey, we should go out to eat, I ask Melanie, hey, where would you like to go? And her response is always, well, I don't know. Where, where would you like to go? Well, it doesn't matter to me. Where do you want to go? Well, it's wherever you want to go. And then after about 30 minutes of, well, I don't know. Where do you, where do you want to go? It's back and forth, back and forth. Then we end up, look, we're just going to eat at McDonald's if this is where it's going to be, right? You've, you've never been there probably before, but I've been there. Now, it was a lot easier when we lived in Laurel. So when we lived in Jones County, it was, hey, would you like to go out to eat tonight? Sure, I'd like to go. Well, where would you like to go? We well, have one choice. It's Applebee's or stay at home, okay? So that's pretty much it. So it was a lot easier to make decisions about food when we lived in Laurel because they don't have anything. But it's the same way in our life as it pertains to theology or right decision-making in that if you have a belief system that you adhere to, you've already got fence posts up about the things that you will and will not do. There's already things in your life that you know, I'm not doing this. If it's something that, you know, for instance, one of the questions often comes up is, I've been offered a job, and uh, it will require me to work on Sundays, or it will require me to move my family, or it will require some change of your life system. Well, the response, my response always to that is, well, will it draw you closer to God or lead you further away from Him? If it leads you further away from Him, it is not from Him. I mean, that is very simple. And so if it is something that derails your walk with the Lord, regardless of how good of a situation it may seem, it is not from God. And so whatever it is that leads you to godliness, that's the first, that's the first step in helping to make that decision. And so as believers, our fence posts are a lot closer than a lot of times I think we think they are. Uh, you know, I've shared uh, the story many times of how we ended up going to Virginia for seminary in 2010. But here's how we made that decision. So I felt that the Lord wanted us to go, and uh, so we decided we are going to seminary. So that was the first decision that we made. Now the question then became, where are we going to go? Now, we live very close to New Orleans, so it's one of seven or eight Baptist seminaries in the United States. So it would have been, it would have been extremely convenient and easy to say, you know, I think I'll go to New Orleans. So, you know, Pastor Rod, uh, Pastor Tony, Pastor Rod went to New Orleans, great school. And so I could have simply said, you know what, I'm going to go to New Orleans. Or I could have chosen any of the other seven or eight seminaries across the United States. Right? I mean, I could have easily done that. I could have said, well, it's a Baptist seminary. Here's their belief system. Here's what, you know, they stand for them, and they're all pretty close. And so I could have easily justified that. 
But I had a previous relationship with Liberty University because I had done some undergrad work there. And so uh, I said, well, let's go and check out uh, Liberty. We know a lot about them. I have association with them, and so let's go check it out. And so the decision was, I already know stuff about this. Remember, we use what we already know to answer what we don't yet know. I already had previous experience with it, and so I prayed about it. We uh, went and visited, and after deciding what to do, we said, we're going to go to Liberty. And so it was a decision that the fence posts weren't as wide as the world would want us to believe that they were. Now, I could have you know, said, I'm going to go to a, a secular school, but that's not seminary, right? And so I said, I want to go to a seminary. God called me to continue my studies. And so when I was to make that choice, my decisions were a lot less than someone who was just coming out of the gate and saying, I just want to go to school. And so when we follow Jesus, then our decision-making process really does become much easier for us to make because we have less choices because of our belief system or the things that we follow. And so as we think about that, uh, it's important to remember that we do serve a wise God who graces every one of us that are followers with wisdom. And he does this to keep us from falling into sin and to open our eyes to the dimensions of biblical godliness that we would miss if we did not have wisdom. And so we apply the information that we already know, and through obedience, we discern the wisdom of God to make the right decision. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if you made you know, one of your previous life decisions and an, an unbeliever asked, hey, Steve, how did you make that decision? And you said, well, I took what I already knew about Jesus, and I obeyed the words of God, and through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, I made the decision. I mean, wouldn't that be a, what a testimony to the world for us to say, this is how I made my decision. Oftentimes, you know, I think a lot of times we, we have opportunity to give God credit, and, and even in those instances, we, we may miss a couple of those chances. But that'd be a great way to answer the next uh, time someone asks you, well, how did you decide to do that, or why did you decide to do that? Well, you know, I just took the information of what I already knew about Jesus, and I obeyed the Word of God, and I asked the Holy Spirit to guide me, and so that's how I decided what to do. Well, we're done for tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much it, right? I mean, what if we applied that? And so I want to give you some principles tonight. And so the first principle of godly decision-making then is simply uh, that we always begin with the Word of God. There's never, there will never, ever, 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 ever be a time where you make a, a godly decision apart from the Word of God. In other words, there will never be a decision that you make that will be in contradiction to the Word of God, ever. So you see how all the decisions became easier instantly just like that by saying, I will base all of my decisions on the 66 books inside of this Word of God, right? And so we, we have now less choices than what the world would present to us which makes it easier for to make those decisions. But it will always begin with the Word of God. The Bible is our manual for decision-making. So every decision that we make, uh, it, it comes through the Bible. I remember growing up, you probably heard this before, uh, but I remember growing up and I was taught that Bible stood for the basic instructions before leaving earth. And I thought, well, that's genius. I don't know who came up with it, but that's amazing, and I'm never going to forget that. So the basic instructions before leaving earth. And so if I'm going to follow the Word of God, well, that's going to lead me to where God wants me to be. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, uh, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, which sounds like everything that we would encounter in life, right? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the Word of God is the instruction manual. It gives us uh, the decisions of everything that we should do. So here's the question. I asked this Wednesday night. What if, what if we said, and here's what the world says. There's a lot of things in the Bible that the Bible doesn't address. You know, that Bible was written several thousand years ago, and so there's just, there's modern things today. There's decisions that you'll make that the Word of God does not address. You may have heard that before, so here's my question. What if we as believers in the Word of God, followers of Jesus Christ, resolved our life to just simply obey what is in the Word of God? What if we just said, look, I'm just going to obey what God's Word says. If it's something outside of the Word of God, I'm just going to do what the Word of God says. So, for instance, let's, let's talk about what that would look like. So what did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? He said to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And lo- so that's the first commandment, right? So what if for the next 30 days you said, I'm going to obey one thing. I'm going to obey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm just going to do that. And every decision that you made was, well, this helped me love God more. Well, this helped me love God more. So, I mean, just think of how, hopefully, you know, how would your life completely change if you just did that one thing? And then, so the second month you said, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm never going to master that, but I'm going to continue loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm going to follow the second commandment that Jesus said, love my neighbor as myself. And so for the next 30 days, then you sat around and said, okay, what are some ways that I can love my neighbor just like myself? What would I want my neighbor to do for me? And then you began to do those things. How would it change our community? So my point is this, is that there's a lot of things that we can say, well, you know what, the Bible doesn't directly say, you know, get a job at Home Depot, or the Bible doesn't directly say move to San Antonio or whatever. You're right, the Bible specifically doesn't say those things, but are we obeying what the Bible does tell us to do? And so if we resolve to just do those things, then we would certainly be better off for it. But let's address the question, well, what if it doesn't directly address the situation in which I am encountering? Well, you know, to say that the Word of God is always the basis for our decision-making certainly doesn't mean that it speaks to every single issue that is in the Bible, but it does mean that the Bible tells us everything that we need to know in order to live a life that pleases God. So the instructions that God has given us in the Word of God is everything, according to 2 Peter, that we need for life and godliness. Now, certainly, we're going to encounter situations, and so when we encounter those situations that the Bible does not directly address, so when you have a decision to make and you pop open your concordance in the back of your Bible and you look for, you know, which road to take or how to respond, you know, to disaster or whatever, well, how do we address those situations? Well, your motives will be involved in those decisions. In other words, why is it that you do what you do? That's a good barometer as far as which direction you're going. You know, uh, Pastor Tony, the very first week, he said, you never make decisions with the question at the beginning of how will this affect me? I mean, just think about that. What if the disciples had thought at the beginning when Jesus said, follow me, John chapter 1, they're they're standing with uh, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, there is the Son of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John the disciple said, 
okay, I want to follow him, but I just have one question. How will this affect me? And they say, well, it's not going to turn out very good for you. And he's going to say, I'm not sure if I want to do that, right? I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the sovereign will of God versus the moral will of God. If we knew the end result of the sovereign will of God, then we may not be led to that point, right? So we may, we may try to alter that course, or we may try to do something different because of sin. And so our motives, or why is it that we do the things that we do, really tells us what the answer to our question is, which goes back to Jesus saying the greatest commandment is to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, which is looking towards Jesus and other people. This is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So what's the motivation? Why do you do it? Well, I want to do it because I want to honor God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Is it your objective in the decision that you want to please King Jesus? I want to, I want to, make, I want to do what pleases the Lord. I want to, I want to make the Lord happy. James chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, which is selfish motivations, to spend it on your own passions or on your passions. And so we've all made decisions that were wrong, and we've all made decisions most likely if we looked at those and we were to uh, assess and say, you know, what, was, what, what made that wrong? What, where did I go astray? Well, likely was your motivations were self-centered. My motivations were self-centered. And so tonight I want to give you three principles of godly decision-making that you can apply to every single situation that will help you to make the right decision. So the first principle tonight is wisdom. Wisdom. Now, we've spent, we spent several, several weeks talking about uh, wisdom and uh, in our study of Ecclesiastes over the sun. And we talked about with Solomon and the many different ways that he talked about obtaining wisdom. And so tonight, uh, we're, we're not going to touch on that part of it, but wisdom is the first principle to godly decision-making. So other than Scripture, there's no word and there's no concept that is greater or more important in decision-making than wisdom, which is knowing the right thing to do. So as I was uh, studying and preparing for it tonight, I decided to look up the definition of wisdom. So if we were to, you know, all come up with a definition, many people would have some ideas. Most probably would be experiential, and so you would, you would have an idea of what wisdom is. So let me, let's start with this. What does Webster's Dictionary say wisdom is? This is exciting. Webster's Dictionary defines wisdom as the natural ability to understand things that most other people cannot understand. Let that sink in for a minute. The natural ability, I mean, look it up, you can Google it. Webster's Dictionary says wisdom is the natural ability, if it's natural, then that means we all can do it, right? The natural ability to understand things that most other people cannot understand. So we naturally do things that most everybody else can't do, which is a contradiction. That doesn't make any sense. And so it's certainly not what God means when he talks about wisdom. What's natural for you and I is to be selfish and to be sinful, not to be understanding and discerning. Uh, You know, the Bible says that there's none who seeks after God. No, not one. So this is what wisdom is. Wisdom from a biblical perspective is a knowledge of Scripture 
and the ability to apply that knowledge in your life. Very simply stated. This knowledge of Scripture and the ability to apply that knowledge in your life. And so, it all starts with the Word of God. You see, we gain wisdom primarily by studying the Scriptures. So if you want to be wise, and here in just a second we'll answer the question, how do you get wisdom? If you want to be wise, you start by spending time in the Word of God. You see, wisdom is an acquired skill through which we apply the Scriptures to situations in our lives. It's an acquired skill. It is not a natural ability. I mean, just if it was a natural ability, we would have kids making really good decisions, right? We would have teenagers making really good decisions, but they don't. I mean, we oftentimes make bad decisions. So it's not a natural ability. It is an acquired skill uh, through the Spirit of God uh, that we apply these situations in our life. Now, think to 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, Solomon was given an opportunity to ask for anything, and Solomon asked for what? Did he ask for more instructions? No. Did he ask for a revelation? Did he ask for money? Did he? Ask? No, he didn't. He asked for what? Wisdom. He asked for wisdom. He asked God to give him wisdom. And so Solomon was granted wisdom and became uh, the wisest man that ever lived. And so he took the knowledge of what he already had and knew about God, and he applied that through the power of the Spirit of God, and he became the wisest man to ever live. And so in order for us to live in wisdom, we have to learn from God to understand people and situations. So, you know, case in point, Solomon's first case, uh, if you will, is the story of the lady who had uh, laid on her child and uh, he died, and so she woke up and swapped children, and so then they both came before the judge, and one had a child that uh, was uh, dead, and then the other lady whose child was stolen, uh, she was there, and so uh, they had the live child, and so they said, what do we do? And he said, well, which one? And so she was lying about what the truth was, and so Solomon and Wisdom said what? Well, if we cut the child in half and give each of them half a child, then they'll both be satisfied. And the true mom said, no, don't do that. And so through wisdom, he was able to solve that situation. Now, in that situation, how many of us would have come up with that resolution? I mean, Solomon had wisdom. It was from God. And so he was able to understand people in situations. Now, a person who is truly wise, so someone who walks in wisdom, is not someone who just says wise words. So you shouldn't just memorize wise words and walking around spouting those, but you should actually live those as you apply them in your life. You live a renewed life by applying wisdom. So if you were at men's breakfast uh, Saturday morning, uh, there was a testimony by a gentleman in the community that uh, a couple of years ago got saved, and uh, he was talking about how he was one way, and then God saved him, and now he is completely opposite of what he used to be. And so I just was thinking about that verse in Romans 12, chapter 2, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You know, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation, and old things pass away, and all things become new. And Romans 12, 2 says that, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the things that he began to like and uh, began to pursue were things that were foreign 
to him that were opposite of what he used to be. Jeff, you've heard many testimonies, one of being yourself, of how you know you used to do things and now you don't do things and the radical transformation of life. That's what salvation is, right? And so wisdom, wisdom is part of that, that God changes your mind about the things of him. And so what happened is that it's not that you just say wise things, you actually apply those things. It really goes back to what Pastor Tony was saying this morning. It's not just listening to the Word of God. It's doing it, applying the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so wisdom discerns, or it it, it helps you to understand what constitutes faithfulness to God, respect for others, and prudent behavior in difficult situations. And so what what is faithfulness in this situation? I'm encountering this decision to make. What is faithfulness to God? How can I respect others? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Respect for others. And prudent behavior. What is the right decision for me to make in this situation? And so when we make those decisions as followers of Jesus, when we make those decisions that are God-honoring, that lead us towards Jesus, the world will say, why? Why did you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Wednesday night, uh, Miss uh, Patty Lankford was in the service. She flew out Friday to go to Guatemala for a mission trip uh, for uh, VBS. They were doing a VBS down there. They are doing a VBS down there. She's down there now. So if you don't know, Miss Patty is a CPA. And if you don't know, tomorrow is January the 29th. And that means it's the first day that you can file federal taxes. And CPAs file taxes. But yet Miss Patty says, I'm going to Guatemala for VBS. So she's not filing taxes for the next five days. She's putting deposits in the kingdom of God. And so why? Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. And so we we all could talk about those situations. That's just the most recent scenario of why we make decisions to follow Jesus and to honor him with our decision making in which the world would respond, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. By the way, just so you know, this is Solomon. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and, not, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So the question we ask ourselves tonight, if wisdom is the first principle in godly decision-making, how do you get wisdom? Can you order it on Amazon? No, you cannot. So how do you, how do you get wisdom? Well, number one, the Bible just, we just read in, in uh, Proverbs, you exalt wisdom, you pursue it. He says that if you seek it like silver and search for it uh, as for hidden treasures. As Pastor Tony has mentioned several times, God is not hiding from us. If he, if he, was, not, if he was hiding from us, we would not have the Word of God. All 66 books are a declaration of a mighty and omnipotent God communicating with His creation. Every single book is in declaration of that. So God is not mysterious in trying to make you put together the, uh, you know, the, all these puzzle pieces to figure out what it is that he wants you to know. No, wisdom is readily available for anyone who genuinely wants wisdom. So how do you get wisdom? Well, you pursue wisdom. You seek wisdom. We're not looking for the easy answer. We're looking for the right answer. 
Amen? And so with wisdom, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, and 8, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So here's what often happens when you have a decision to make, is that people often go and they ask uh, opinions, and they elevate opinions above the Word of God. Opinions are never above the Word of God, regardless of how good that opinion may be. The Word of God is always paramount, number one, very top, in all of our decision-making efforts. And so if we're making a decision, it is not, number one, what does everybody else say about it, which we'll get to later, but it's, number one, what does God's Word say about it? So we elevate wisdom, we exalt wisdom. Number two is that we pray. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And this is what Paul said they prayed, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so one of the best things that we could do for each other as, as, uh, as being in the body of Christ is that we would pray generally that we would make decisions that would honor God. And so if you know, you know, we, we live in circles. We don't live in straight lines. And so whatever circle that you're involved in, your small group, your D group, uh, you, you have in, interaction with each other, and you know what's going on in each other's lives. And so what you should pray is not that a particular decision would be the result, but that God's will would be done, and that whoever's involved in that situation would have discernment of wisdom to know the right thing to do. We should constantly be praying those things for each other so that we would be able and capable of making those right decisions. Paul said, be filled with the knowledge of his will. And so when I've got a friend, someone that's in my circle that is in, engaged in a decision-making uh, process, my, my prayer for that person should be, I pray that Steve is filled with wisdom and the knowledge of all understanding, right? Those are the things that we should pray for each other. And then lastly, we exalt wisdom, we pray, and number three, how do we get wisdom? Well, we pursue Jesus. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, 1 Corinthians 1.24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so what did I say earlier that when we have a decision to make, the number one thing that we should ask ourselves at the very beginning is what is my relationship with Jesus like? Am I pursuing the Scriptures? Am I pursuing prayer? Am I pursuing the people of God? Am I engaged in fellowship with Jesus? If you pursue Jesus, He will lead you to where He wants you to go. That's why for the last several weeks and, you know, one more next week, we've, we've uh, communicated, Pastor Tony's talked about the pathway. It, it illustrates, as was a couple weeks ago, the walk, that we're, we're in this walk, that we're walking with Jesus, and we're engaged in fellowship with Him on a path towards godliness. And so we pursue Jesus, and that will help us to make the right decisions. That will help us to obtain wisdom. So principle number one is wisdom. Principle number two, desire. So you've got a decision to make. So you go to the Word of God and say, well, what does God's Word say about it? What is my motivation in this situation? What is the wisdom, what is God's wisdom telling me uh, to do? And then you say, okay, well, desire. What do I desire to do? What is it that I, that I want to do? Now, remember, if you're walking with the Lord, your desires 
are going to help to gauge what it is that you should do. So our personal desires play an important role in decision-making. Our personal desires play an important role in decision-making. So the things that you desire to do, if you're walking with the Lord, well, then it may be that that's what God's leading you to do. Now, however, here's the disclaimer, is that they should never be given authority over Scripture or wisdom. So here's an, is an example of that. So there's a book in the Old Testament called Jonah, right? And God told Jonah to do something. He instructed him to do something. He gave him the command to do something, the Word of God. But Jonah did not desire to do that, right? So we know the story. Jonah went the opposite. Okay, so our desires sometimes can lead us the wrong way. So what what did Paul say in Romans? The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do. And so our desires can lead us astray, and so we can't let the desire be the barometer of the decision. Desire has to be followed. It has to follow wisdom and the Scriptures, okay? So we, we never allow our desire to supersede that of the Word of God. You see, what, what happens a lot of times, um, so I, I had a friend who had called me this has been a while back. They don't live in the area, and so they called me, and he was having some issues in, in their marriage. And so he said, you know, look, uh, I, we're having some problems, and I need you to help me. And so I started asking questions. Well, you know, where do y'all go to church at? Well, we're not really involved a whole lot in church. Well, you know, what friends do you have? Who, who is helping you make your decisions? And so, well, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of friends influencing us. And I said, well, how are you making your decisions for your marriage? Well, you know, pretty much whatever we want to do, we, we do. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, th- there's a problem right there. And so we started talking about, you know, what is it that you desire? And so you know, they were talking about, well, you know, this is what my wife wants and here's what I want. And so they're, they're using desires as the number one decision-making tool in their life. You see, God gives us desires. He, he accomplishes His sovereign will through our desires. And he accomplishes his moral will by revealing uh, the guidance through our desires. And so the Bible says in Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if you're following after Jesus, if you're pursuing the word of God, well, the desires of your heart will lead you to where God uh, intends for you and I to go. You see, we all had this, you know, as humanity had this initial desire, to walk with God. I love the verse in Genesis that says they were walking with God in the cool of the day. I love that verse. Think about, you know, what that means and how God is fellowshipping with them. And it's, it's because we are all made in the image of God. And so Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. And that image desires to be with God, that God's will would be accomplished. And so as believers, we now possess the Spirit of God within us that leads our desires. So as Adam and Eve had God guiding them as believers in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I must go, that the helper will come. And so the Spirit of God now resides inside of the child of God to help us, to lead us, to make the right decisions. What does Romans 8 say about the Spirit of God? That the Spirit of God utters groanings for us that we don't even know we need to pray. 
And so God is inside of us instructing us and leading us. And so the promptings of the Holy Spirit are the things that guide us or lead us to where we want and need to go. All of the testimonies, specifically to Mara's this morning, of how God led her here. It was no accident that that happened. It was God. It was God moving her into an area that he, could, that he could speak to her, that she would receive what he had to say. And what did she say? That God used other people that had experienced the same things that she had experienced to help her to understand the way in which God would have her to go. That's what the Holy Spirit does, is he prompts us and he guides us and he moves us to the areas in which God would intend for us to be. And so when the Lord enables us to follow our desires that are governed by Scripture, and wisdom in this life, what actually happens is that we experience just a little bitty taste of heaven. And I can't wait for that. It's going to be exciting. So we've got, we've got an opportunity for, to experience through uh, desiring the things that God desires to experience what it means to be in uninterrupted fellowship with God. So here's the question then. So you say, well, how do I know if it's a good desire or a bad desire? Or you may say, I had El Saltillo for lunch today, and I had this feeling inside of me. What is it? All right. Well, how do you know if it's a good desire or a bad desire? Could it be indigestion? I don't know. Well, the answer lies in the reason for the, de- the desire. In other words, why are you having the desire? Is it a self-centered desire? Well, then it's bad. Because the essence of sin is the determination to have our own way. So if the desire is self-centered, if, if it's, you know, Matt gain, so in other words, if I'm the only one that's going to benefit from it, is that really what God wants me to do? Well, that, what that means is I'm putting myself on the throne of my life, which is dethroning where God is supposed to be. So it's an act of idolatry in putting myself in the place of God. So if I'm making decisions based upon self-centeredness, Well, that's not what God intends for me to do. An easy way for me to discern whether it's a good desire or a bad desire. A good desire is simply the opposite. A good desire is going to lead me towards godliness. You see, what a good desire is, is putting the desire for God's will first. What is it that God intends for me to do? When the Lord is our greatest desire, then all of our other desires will find their proper place. What does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so when we pursue Jesus, when we seek the kingdom of God first, when we elevate that first, then our desires will be in line with the things of God. So we seek wisdom through the Scriptures, through the Word of God. We desire the things of God because of the fellowship that we have with God. And number three, uh, principle number three, counsel. We seek counsel from other people about how to make the decision. Now, I mentioned my friend who called and they said, you know, I said, well, how are y'all making decisions? Well, it's whatever we want to do. So I said, well, here's the deal. You have, uh, you have isolated yourself and you've built your own kingdom on your own island and you have your own rules and you have no one to contextually bounce those ideas off of. And so whatever you do in your mind is right because you're the only one that's there. And so what happens a lot of times when people make decisions, uh, specifically wrong decisions or bad decisions, is they don't seek anybody else's advice. And the reason that they don't seek anybody else's advice is because they know it's wrong. They know what they're about to do is wrong. 
And so they don't want anybody else to tell them that. And so if I isolate myself and I withdraw myself from a godly counsel, that's why fellowship and community and discipleship groups is so important in your walk with the Lord. It's is very easy, extremely easy for you and I to get off track. The heart is deceitfully wicked. And the heart, if you just follow your heart, which is terrible advice, you're going to be all over the map. And you need somebody in your life that's going to say, wait a minute, I don't think that's right. Here's what the Word of God says about it. Here's, here's what I understand God to be like. Here's how God worked in my life in that situation. And so I told my friend, you're writing your own rules. And as long as you live on an island that's governed by you, it's always going to be who has the most power, and it's going to be back and forth, me versus you and you versus me. And so until you get into context, you will never solve your problem. And it's the same way for us in life when we have decisions to make, is that we should always seek counsel. We should always seek godly counsel to say, you know, here's what I'm considering. Here's the decision that is before me. What is it that I should do? You see, without counsel, you and I will wander blindly through life, and we will regret many, many, many decisions. But with counsel, you and I can avoid many of the pitfalls and traps that are laid before us by the enemy. Now, just think about this for just a second. Now, we're, we're a very diverse church. We've got you know, 500 people or so on Sunday mornings. Now, we learn many things through uh, videos, through the baptism videos. We get to learn about people in life, uh, in circles, through uh, small groups and D groups. We learn about each other uh, in a more deeper way. So we, we learn things about people. And we learn things about the experiences of people, Right? And so think about all of the decisions. So we've got very young, uh, you know, we've got toddlers and infants, and we've got senior adults, and so we've got this plethora of people in our congregation, in the body that God has put together. And in that body is a, a myriad of uh, experiences. And so there's things that you've experienced that I have not yet experienced, or there's things that I've experienced that you've not yet experienced. And so through counsel, we can say, now, wait a minute, this is what I did in that situation, and here's how I would do it differently. Or I would say, here's what I did in that situation, and, and it worked out fantastic. Here's what you can do. You see, we should, we should learn from each other. Each man is not his own. In other words, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to make my own decisions in life, and ever how it happens, it happens. No. That's why we have a body. That's why we work together as followers of Jesus in the body of Christ, because there's things that you experience that I need help with, and there's things that I've experienced that you need help with, and we can work together to do that instead of trying to figure out life on our own. The Trinity is the perfect example of community that existed, as the verse was shared this morning, before the foundation of the world. So if that was the blueprint for humanity, why would we try to change it? So yet another plug for community is that we can use the experiences in life that other people have to help guide us to make the decisions that honor God. We can avoid heartache. Why would we want to go through something hard or difficult that someone else has already experienced that can help us? We don't want to do that alone. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. If you live on an island and you build your own belief system and your own rules, it will be wise in your eyes, but it will be wrong. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, 
Plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So we need help. We need people around us to help us to make the right decisions. We need counsel in order to practice the other principles properly. Listen, you can't apply wisdom without help. Your desires may lead you astray without counsel. And so we need other people around us to help us to practice that. Now, I think it's important here that we uh, make the distinction between counsel and wise counsel. There's a difference between opinions and godly advice. Okay? There's a difference. You see, wise counsel helps us to understand Scripture better. To grow in wisdom and to, to evaluate our desires more accurately. So if we're honest, okay, you find yourself in small group or in D group and you're faced with a decision to make and you are seeking counsel. And so we want to make the right decision. And we may say, well, here's, you know, maybe we're in D group and, and something's mentioned and say, you know, here's, here's what I've always been told about this scripture. Here's what I think it means. And so through context and through community, we can say, well, no, uh, you know, maybe that's not the right interpretation or, you know, here's the way I've always understood it to be. Or we may say, well, here's my desire. This is what I want to do. And then someone will say, well, you know, through context, through godly uh, counsel, well, that may not be the best decision to make. So it helps us to avoid some pitfalls in life. So there's a difference between Wisdom or advice and godly wisdom. And so I want to give you three characteristics tonight of a wise counselor. So this would be in when you're seeking advice, but it'd also be when you're giving advice. Okay, so these would be characteristics that we can apply on both sides of the table. So if I'm seeking uh, wise counsel, the first thing that I need to be and that I need to seek is someone who's a Christ follower. I don't need advice from someone who's smart. I don't need advice from someone who is experienced. I need some advice primarily from someone who's following Jesus. That's the first prerequisite. I need somebody who loves Jesus and who is pursuing Jesus, and their goal is to do what honors Jesus. And so when we're making a decision, we're asking for counsel. Number one, are they following Jesus? Number two, do they have previous experience? So, you know, Foster care is a great example of that. Our church is heavily involved in that, and the second Wednesday of every month, we have foster care support group. And so, down in the barn, every second Wednesday, everyone who's involved in foster care, both in our church and in our community, uh, through Rescue 100, comes down to the barn, and we have, uh, you know, we discuss the things that, you know, everyone's encountering, and we have people who come in to help and, you know, help with this situation, help with that situation. And so, it, it helps to be in that situation. It's the same way if you think about life. So, if you are going through a difficult situation, maybe uh, you had a loved one pass away, or maybe you had a, an illness, or maybe you encountered a difficult situation, the, the best advice that you received was from who? It was from someone who had already been down that path. Someone who had already walked in your shoes. They understood the feelings that you're feeling. They understood the desires that you're experiencing. They understood what it was that brought them through that. And so they can speak into that situation. And so someone who's following Jesus that has experienced what you're experiencing or you're encountering. And number three is someone who desires your best interest. 
Someone who wants what's best for you. Someone who gives bad counsel would be someone who tells you to do something that would benefit them. That's not good counsel. Good counsel is saying, well, I love Jesus, and I've been through that before, and here's the best way you can make it through that. Here's the way the Lord led me. Here's what I learned about God through this experience. So a wise counselor will help you to walk through those moments, and there are a multitude of wise counselors in this fellowship. So godly counsel provides a check and a balance. So when you have godly counsel, it helps to keep things in balance against our natural tendency to be biased in our own perspectives and blind to our own weaknesses. You see, if I'm not getting advice, if I'm not getting counsel, there's weaknesses in every one of us. And I may, the the enemy, guess what? Listen to this. You already know this. The enemy is not going to attack you, is not going to tempt you and I in an area in which we're the strongest. That doesn't make any sense. What the enemy is going to do is try his very best to attack you in the area in which you're most vulnerable. In your weakness. And it may be an area that you're not even aware of. And so if you don't have godly counsel around you and saying, well, here is an opportunity for the enemy to mess things up in your life, but here's how I made it through that. We may not even be aware of our own weaknesses. But by context, by, by people around us to help us to do that through counsel, we can be aware of that. And so the amount of wisdom that you have, the amount of wisdom that I have, will be directly proportionate to the amount of godly counsel that you receive. So are you willing to take advice? Are you willing to receive godly counsel? Because the amount of wisdom that you and I obtain will be proportionate to the amount of wisdom that we receive. In other words, are we receiving the wisdom of the Word of God? Are we being instructed daily by the Holy Spirit of God? And are we allowing the people that God has put in our path around us to help us, enable us to make the decisions? That's how we obtain wisdom. And so the principles of godly decision-making are wisdom and desire, wisdom to know the right things, desire to do those things, and counsel, counsel to affirm those things in which we feel that the Lord is leading us to do. And so I hope tonight that was helpful for you to gain some principles so either today or in the next decision that you make, you're able to apply those principles. And it's an easy checklist is, you know, what does God's Word say? What is the wisdom in this moment? What is it that I desire to do? Am I walking with the Lord and am I desiring to do what God wants me to do? And then counsel, what do other people say about that? Amen? Let's pray tonight.